Welcome to the new revolution in fitness and performance, the Ardella Training Podcast, forging athletic bodies around the world. Here's your host, physical therapist and strength coach, Scott Ardella. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 137. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Ardella Training Podcast. I've got an amazing interview session for you this week with Dr. Jeremy Koenig. He is the head of a company called Athletogen, which is a cutting-edge sports science company. And I would encourage you to go into this interview with an open mind. I guarantee you're going to learn a ton. And this is the future of fitness and performance. I'll explain more about that in just a minute, and I'll tell you more about Jeremy couple of quick announcements here before we get started. First of all, I wanted to thank you, the listener, as I continue to do. I wanted to make sure that I express my gratitude for all of you, for each and every one of you for listening to the Ardella Training Podcast each and every week. This week, what I wanted to do is thank one of the reviewers that left a recent review in iTunes. Again, I always ask for the reviews because they really help to grow the show, and I want your feedback about this show. So I certainly appreciate it. These episodes are a lot of work, I can tell you, but I appreciate you being here and being a part of this with me. So this week's review and this week's shout out goes to a reviewer by the name of D2Fish. That is the reviewer name. Again, D2Fish. Thank you so much for the review. And the reviewer said, I just wanted to put my two cents in regarding the Ardella Training Podcast. Great. Scott is very knowledgeable, easy to listen to, and gives you tons of information regarding strength training and kettlebells. I've learned a lot from the awesome guests, as well as from all the book recommendations. Keep it up. Thank you again so much, D2Fish. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you being part of this. Next, I wanted to let you know that I recently released a new report called Training Mistakes. You can get this free 36-page report by going to ardellatraining.com forward slash mistakes. You can get that report and more freebies. And I can tell you that this report is something that I wish that I had many years ago. These are some of the key training mistakes. These are 12 training mistakes that I wish I had known about earlier in my training career. It's these type of insights that truly make a difference in training and performance. And uh, so I would encourage you to get that if you're not a subscriber at ardellatraining.com. And again, you're going to get that report and a couple of other things as well. Join the community and be a subscriber and you're going to learn about some amazing new things that are coming from ardellatraining.com. I am really excited about so many things right now that I'm working on and certain things are getting very close. And as a subscriber, you will be the very first to know about the new things. So keep that in mind and I hope you'll be part of the great community over there. One last announcement before we get into the interview is uh, I, I wanted to mention again the upcoming seminar that I am doing in South Florida on September the 27th. To learn about the upcoming fitness and performance seminar where, where I'm going to be covering kettlebells, movement, mobility, programming, breathing techniques, and so much more. This is going to be a great full day immersion for the attendees that come and join me. So I'd encourage you, if you're in South Florida, this is a no-brainer. You're going to learn a ton, 
And if you can make it to South Florida on September the 27th, go to ardellatraining.com forward slash seminar one. Again, that's ardellatraining.com forward slash seminar and the number one. And you can learn about that seminar. And I hope to see you there because it's going to be amazing. And I'm really excited about it. And this will be the final announcement that I'll make about that on the podcast because that is coming up very soon. So this interview with Dr. Jeremy Koenig is pretty mind-blowing. And I would encourage you to go into this interview with an open mind. There's a lot of information here. And maybe even listen through to this a few times. It's really, it's not that long of an interview. And, uh, but there's a lot of information there. I know that I listened to this one actually a couple of times. And the first eight minutes or so, Jeremy tells us a lot about his background professionally and his academic background and also his background as an athlete. And then we get into the sports science. You're going to learn about the actin-3 gene, why this is important for athletic performance, where we are in better understanding genotyping and what is genotyping and how this relates to athletic performance. And then you're going to learn the key takeaways to better understand how our bodies work. And there's some really good actionable advice here, very simple advice. So this is a very informative session. And I have to tell you that we really barely scratched the surface in this topic. And this is something that I am going through myself personally. I'm being genotyped. I'm waiting for my results. And I'll certainly share how this works in my training. So this is something that we'll be talking about here more on an ongoing uh, conversation here on the Ardella Training Podcast. And I should mention that this all stems from the interview that I did with Kelly Sturett for episode number 126. This is where it all started when Kelly mentioned this company, Athletogen, and it really piqued my interest so much so that I really wanted to learn about this and how this can potentially improve training and performance. So game-changing stuff, cutting-edge stuff, and I think you're going to learn a lot and you won't find this information anywhere else. So I'm really excited to share it here with you today. Let me tell you about Dr. Koenig, and then we're going to get into the interview. Dr. Jeremy Koenig completed his PhD in biochemistry and molecular biology before undertaking postdoctoral training in genetics at Cornell University. With more than 10 years of experience coaching professional athletes, Dr. Jeremy Koenig combined his passion for sports performance with his formal training in genetics to form a company called Athletogen. You'll hear more about his professional experiences and his passions as we kick off this great interview session. So let's jump in right now. And again, I challenge you to go in here with an open mind and learn about the science of genotyping and what this means to each one of us. Enjoy the session, guys. All right, Dr. Jeremy Koenig is here today. He is the CEO of Athletogen, a cutting-edge sports science company. And I think we're all going to learn a lot in this interview here today. So we're going to kick things right off and get started with the interview. Dr. Koenig, thank you for being here. And I thought it'd be great if you could first tell us a little bit about your background. Let's start with your academic and professional background before we get into things. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Scott, first, thank you very much for taking the time. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and really excited to, to share what we've been doing um, with you and, uh, and your, your listeners. Um, but to answer your question, uh, geez, specifically with, um, with education, I think uh, I found myself down a, a rabbit hole of, um, 
you know, career student. And I don't think that's changed, to be honest with you. I mean, just learning comes now in a different form. Uh, initially, my my uh, undergraduate work in uh, in genetics, I, you know, always fascinated, um, you know, by that uh, molecular biology and how um, you know how those things come together and and manifest into all the different forms of life that we that we see today. And uh, you know, I was quite fortunate towards I guess it was the third third year or so um, of my degree. I, I met um, actually uh, Dr. Melanie Dobson who. Uh, was the the first um, female Rhodes Scholar, and uh, she was doing this really interesting project on um, you know using actually yeast genetics to uh, understand various aspects um, cellular mechanistics of um, um, pathologies leading to to uncontrolled cell growth, so uh, cancer essentially. Um, and uh, after that, I, I went on to research under uh, Dr. Ford Doolittle, who. Um, was just an incredible mentor. He he was a guy who I believe he did his PhD at uh, um, Stanford and his undergraduate work at um, uh, Harvard. But he he was a guy that did the um, molecular biology to to actually um, define and prove that uh, you know mitochondria were um, essentially uh, or are essentially an um, evolutionary vestige of um, proteobacteria, ancient proteobacteria that now we live in symbiosis with. Um, so with him, I, I did a lot of work um, specifically in the area of um, metagenomics. So, um, you know, the, the genomics of natural things, how they uh, occur in the environment, and I, I suppose more specifically um, uh, from a, a microbial perspective, how... Um, adaptation processes happen and lead to uh, pathogenesis um, in, in clinical pathogens, for example. Uh, so looking at um, essentially what, what are referred to as lateral gene transfer highways, so how organisms move and change genes to become uh, new things, and in some instance to, to our detriment. Um, and from there, I actually moved to, uh, to New York, and I, I worked um, with Dr. Ruthley, who was a, um, a post-doc uh, of Jeffrey Gordon, who really was the father for this new and emerging and cutting-edge field of, of um, you know, human microbiome research. Um, and I did some really cool stuff there um, with Ruth. And she, uh, you know, we published together a paper that for the first time looked at um, the, the infant microbiome specifically and how that develops over the course of a year. And it's really, really interesting and chaotic to see you know, how it responds to various um, disturbances or perturbations like... Uh, you know, whether it be shifting from uh, you know, breast milk to formula, um, introduction of antibiotics, um, getting the flu vaccination. Um, so that was, that was some really, really interesting stuff. And then I, I, I finished off my, uh, I guess, formal education with um, essentially setting up a research initiative that looked at how our human genes, our human genetics, relates to the, the microbiome, so the kinds of bacteria that live in and on us. And you know, interestingly, that uh, that work is still producing some really exciting stuff. So, suggesting that there are various aspects of our immune system that actually uh, select the kinds of bacteria that live in and on us, and um, you know, the probiotics, so to speak. Um, so that that, in a nutshell, is I guess my education. I, I was a professor for some time also in, in nutrigenomics, um, and then I moved to to industry and I actually worked to develop a genetic screen. Um, uh, for reproduction and fertility to essentially help people um, understand perhaps a personalized approach to uh, ensuring fertility for those who have challenges there. 
Now, that is quite an extensive and deep background. We could probably make an entire episode digging deeper into the questions about your background and training. But for the sake of time, Jeremy, let's move into your background as an athlete. I think that's really interesting before we get into the talk about uh, sports genetics and more about athletogen. So tell us about your background as an athlete. I had aspirations as a, you know, as a, as a kid growing up. I, I wanted to be a, um, a baseball player. I was a pitcher. Um, I don't think I was um, necessarily coaches. Uh, I mean, by no one's, no one's fault necessarily, but um, didn't have essentially the, the best or most optimal coaching, um, especially based on the kinds of information we have today. So, uh, you know, I was a young kid, 15, 16, I, I could throw like high 70s, low 80s, and, you know, too much of that led to a, um, a labral tear. And, and uh, so uh, that kind of ended my pitching career early. Um, but, you know, I've always, I've always loved sport and I've always loved, um, you know, looking at, you know, even genetics, uh, during my education, I loved looking at it through that lens. And so even before I started university, I actually competed as an amateur boxer. Um, but then I, I noticed that, you know, the boxing didn't mix so well with the calculus homework. So, you know, looking, looking for the next thing. So I actually, uh, I started track and field, uh, in college and, um, you know, I, I took around, I took a look around and I looked at the, uh, at the field and. And I, I even remember uh, being in the student union building, um, you know, first uh, week of orientation and, and seeing highlights from the world championships. And I think it was Maurice Green that won that year. And, you know, I thought, oh, gee, I could never be a sprinter. You know, I, I, my body type isn't like that. And, you know, I must be a middle distance runner looking at all of them. And so I actually floundered around in, in middle distance for uh, a couple of years, not really knowing anything about um, how to train uh, in, in that uh, area, in that discipline of track and field. But I did um, stumble into to sprinting and being in from a, a Canadian university, our focus is indoor track and field. So I actually stumbled into a 60 meter race and, and, I, and I won and I was like, geez, I, I really like winning. So I, I kept training um, in that regard. And I, uh, I guess my best finish um, in university at the uh, national championships was a seventh place finish um, in, in the 60 meter uh, event. And uh yeah, after that, it's been like, you know, trying to find a way to replace it and, and um, actually swam for a bit. I, I, was a, um, I was actually part of the, uh, the lifeguard team, Canadian lifeguard team, competed at world championships as, as part of that organization. Um, so I had a little bit of a swimming background. And um, so I took up master swimming and uh, was actually a provincial champion in the 50 uh, free and 50 fly. But but today now it's, it's really about, um, you know, exploring different aspects of fitness. I uh, you know, I have, um, I frequent many different CrossFit gyms. So I keep up with my Olympic, lift, Olympic lifting. I jump into workouts that suit me and I, and I'm revisiting my, uh, you know, my, my time with, uh, with boxing. So just some you know, recreational stuff. All right. So let's move on and talk about athletogen. What is athletogen, Jeremy? That's a, that's a really, a really great, great question. And, it, and it's, um, you know, one, it, the definition, um, what I can say has, uh, I wouldn't say that it's changed so much as it's been perhaps better defined now as we've been growing. Um, initially, you know, I, I would say that, you know, Athletogen, we do sports genetics and um, our commitment is to, you know, develop this precision performance platform to help individuals, you know, realize their own individual potential um, that is, uh, I mean, essentially stored in their DNA, which which I would argue is probably the only uh, technology, the human technology that matters. So what we do 
um, is we give people access to that technology uh, in a way that's hopefully intuitive, fun, um, interactive. And, um, you know, to that point, uh, what Athletogen is, I mean, that's one of the things we do, but I think what we are, um, we, we are a community. We exist for those people um, who have similar interests to us, and that is to um, embrace the uh, amazing things that uh, humanity can do together. Tell us a little bit about the history of the company. How did you start Athletogen? Really, it just became about the stars aligning in just the right way. I mean, my experience as an athlete, the um, you know history of my my education, and you know actually as part of my education, I also um, worked with a lot of um, amateur and professional athletes. So you know, coached athletes for over fifteen years, and um, it really just kind of happened. I, I can't say that I. I had a plan ahead of time to to start athletic and it, it's just here we are and and um you know it it became a, a nucleus uh, of attraction for some some pretty exciting talent so you know we have um team members that you know have left their uh careers in in finance for example as as uh you know technical engineers to help us build the architecture to to um provide a, a superior service to our our customers we have um, you know, PhDs from from Boston, uh, so uh, so Harvard and MIT that have just joined us. We um, really have become a, a magnet to um, to people that that do share this vision and, and a really awesome caliber of, of individuals. So I mean, I, I'd have to say that um, the how has kind of it's not something I can take credit for. Um, and and I and to be honest, I don't entirely understand. Uh, I think we've been able to unite people who have a, a love of sport and a, and a love for science, and um, and we work together to uh, to deliver something very special. So I think you just mentioned the word vision there. Tell us, what is the vision of Athletogen? And then also, what do you hope to see in the area of sports genetics in the next five to ten years? What is the long-term vision of where things are headed I mean, in its in its simplicity, um, really, what I would say is 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 our mission um, is, is to unite and inspire the world, celebrate essentially celebrate um, our humanity, and 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 I'd say even enlighten people um, of the fact that you know despite differences that we we may see superficially, we're actually very very similar. Um, so even if we look at that just purely from um, a quantitative perspective, there's you know less less than one percent of the human genome its variation. Is is what we can thank for all the diversity that we see, um, but the point is we're we're not as far away as we think from say for example the 9.58 seconds that uh, Sane Bolt can run or um, you know breaking the four minute mile. That is that is something that we as a as a humanity can 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 really celebrate, and we we want people to to feel empowered and connected through that. Um, but but more than that, and and I should say in addition to that. Um, you know, give people information uh, about about themselves. And, I mean, I think um, David Epstein said it brilliantly in one of his TED Talks, which was, you know, find the differences that matter and use that information to make decisions, whether that be um, as it relates to your daily training structure or your goal to be a world champion. Um, it really doesn't matter. You know, you can be a recreational athlete, a fitness enthusiast, an amateur athlete, or a professional athlete. It, it doesn't matter. This is really something um, that is an important tool for everybody. All right. So let me jump ahead here a little bit and let's talk about the actin-3 gene. This is a very important gene. 
Can you tell listeners what is the actin-3 gene and why is this important? That's, uh, that's one of the more popular ones. And, and I think that, you know, some people uh, in the past might have even referred to that um, as the sports gene. But just to, you know, dive into that uh, in a little more detail, um, I mean, and, and actually, uh, I'd say even in correct that in, in some ways. Um, so I do, I do teach a sports genetics seminar um, in, in collaboration and partnership with Altiz, which is a, um, high performance, uh, track and field organization. But one of the, and this is relevant because we're going to talk about acting three. Um, but one of the things I do preface the course with is like, you, you know what, there's, there's no such thing as sports genetics in the same way. Maybe there's no such thing as cancer genetics or the genetics of Alzheimer's disease. There's, there is our genes, there's our genetic blueprint, and then there is how we interface with the environment. Um, and so understanding those different differences, th those differences allow us to make more informed decisions. But when we're talking about, you know, more specifics, like, so say the actin-3 um, gene that you mentioned. So yeah, that, that, that gene encodes a protein that's important for um, fast twitch muscle fiber uh, development and, uh, and explosive, power, explosive power performance. Um, essentially, a, a change in that DNA has, has led to a different protein compared to, say, an actin-2 variant, which um, would be associated more with slow twitch and, and endurance-type um, activity. Um, and that's had a number of physiological consequences, including, for example, how that muscle uses, um, uses fuel, um, how it's structured, and, and how uh, essentially leverage changes um, to promote uh, speed and power. So, so that's, that's uh, uh, I guess, the, the answer to the actin-3 gene. But we would never say that the presence or absence of this gene would dictate uh, whether or not you are a sprinter. Um, in fact, there, there are outliers. There are different ways of doing things. Um, but certainly knowing this information is a pretty good indication that you will respond well to speed power training. Now, what about for the strength power athlete that has the genetic test? And they find out they don't have the actin-3 gene, the sports gene. How does this impact their training? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, and, and so actually, it, it really, I think, um, it, it stems from that, that word that you mentioned, test. It's a test because it implies that you can pass or fail. Um, and, and so it's really important to address the language, um, the vernacular that we, that we impart on people because that has implications. Never mind genetics. It's it's just well, I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz you. I'm gonna test you. That immediately causes anxiety. Um, so really, what we need to get to is thinking about our genetics as you know not good or bad or um, you know predisposed for success. It's we have gifts and we have opportunities. And you know there are things like the actin three gene which we know correlate very strongly um, with world class speed power athletes. Um, but again, you know, in my experience in science and, and guilty of this myself, we, researchers love that beautiful trend line. Um, but what about the outliers? What about um, the alternate ways of doing things? Even if you just look at that superficially in a guy like Usain Bolt, who people would have never believed him to be a sprinter, um, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, in fact, he had to fight with his coach to, to get in the 100 meters. Like, no, no, you're only going to do 200 some. So uh, I think it really, this isn't a new problem. This is um, coming back to a problem of uh, just education. And so for that reason, um, how we communicate um, with athletes uh, is, is very important. So there, and to echo my, my sentiments, is that there really is no one sports gene. It's, um, you know, what, what scientists will refer to as this, or geneticists will refer to as this um, 
uh, epistatic um, interaction, so how things come together to form what we are. Um, nevertheless, having a little bit of information about um, various aspects that we know to be um, correlated with different, different athlete phenotypes, we can make more educated decisions. But to answer your question specifically with, with actin-3, um, we know that there were instances, uh, there was one instance for sure that was documented in a Spanish hurdler who actually did not have the variant, and he was a world-class 110-meter hurdler. Um, and I was really interested to find, okay, when are we going to see the next person like this? And um, it was amazing because it was actually in our, our own backyard that we found a world-class 200-meter runner that, you know, lo and behold, didn't have an actin-3 gene. Um, but if you look deeper, you find there are other aspects. Like, so there's this, um, you know, uh, interleukin-6 uh, variant that actually correlates really well with switching from a pro to an anti-inflammatory response after muscle, muscle stress. So, therefore, greatly um, improving one's in individual response to uh, weight training. Um, and then combined with that, an extreme uh, uh, amount of resilience in the tendons and ligaments in, in, in her joints. So, um, the point is, is that athletes will put things together differently and there's no need to become concerned at whether or not you have uh, a particular trait. So another scenario I wanted to ask you about was, let's say you have a strength athlete who is built more for endurance. How would that athlete approach that? Even, even when we're looking at individual athletes, uh, we, we, it's, we use a blanket statement and I'm sure every every listener potentially has a different um, view of their status as an athlete um, or the athletes they coach. And uh, what it, what it's really important to uh, I suppose come come back to is is to make sure that we're contextualizing even that definition. Is this is this an athlete who's already almost on the world stage? Um, is this a an individual who is thinking about taking up weightlifting and has specific goals? Um, so in each instance, the scenario is different. So I want to be very clear. There's, there's no one answer. Yeah. So, but but to to answer your questions more directly, I mean, we take um, the information and we and we put it in context. Okay. Well, does this hold up with what I have experienced? Um, you know, in my training groups, do I thrive? Do I um, adapt um, as as quickly as my training partners? Um, am I experiencing the same gains? So it it is a balance of you know, the, the genetics, the nature, and then how you nurture it. And so um, if there are aspects of, uh, say, weight training that aren't necessarily um, you're responding to compared to somebody else, there may be something else that you can do in terms of, say, more explosive plyometric work or, you know, even focusing on things like diet and supplementation. We know there are, um, you know, a number of uh, tried and, and true um approaches to to increasing speed and power just like let's pretend that um you know i have zero athletic background and the only thing that i'm interested in is um having or embarking upon a program that i can commit to and i can increase um my fitness and therefore quality of life and so really what we're coming back to with let's say we're starting at the beginning in this sense um there are some things that you can let's pretend that success correlates with enjoyment um, so there, there are some things that you may be more likely to succeed at. And so does that increase your enjoyment? And if so, does that translate to compliance in you actually defining fitness for yourself? Then that is, I would say, what, what Athletogen can do in, in a nutshell for, say, a very beginner. Okay, Jeremy. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the process of once a consumer gets the kit. So let's say someone gets the genetic analysis kit. What are the actual steps 
in finding out how we use this information and how we apply this to our training, nutrition, and performance? Yeah, so we, um, we do have a, a limited number of um, kits for sale that you can purchase right from, from our website, from athleticgym.com. Um, so all uh, an individual would need to do is, is check out uh, the website, order a kit. They'll get that in the mail in, in two to three uh, days, two to three business days. Um, and then they spit and they send it in to, uh, to our, our lab uh, for genotyping. Um, and the genotyping process um, can take anywhere from four to six weeks. Uh, and once that's uh, completed and it's gone through the proper uh, quality control assurance, um, the user uh, would have, sorry, previously registered their, the barcode that comes on their kit. Uh, and then automatically their, their account is, is, becomes active as the, um, the information becomes available. Um, it's, it's a starting point. What, what we're interested in is, is building a relationship. Um, and actually, as I said, like, Athletogen is a community. So what our mission is, is to continually provide um, the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information um, to our, our, our users. Uh, and we do this by, you know, conducting uh, research. So we have a number of, of research partnerships, um, one of which, for example, is um, looking at femoral acetabular impingement, or, or FAI, which is a, you know, common injury in sprinters, hockey players, football players. So we're doing that in collaboration with an orth orthopedic surgeon and with um, uh, Stanford University as well. Um, so as we discover those things, we impart them, that information onto our users as, as, um, as soon as possible. So the community benefit is really a major component of what Athletogen is. Jeremy, I wanted to ask, what do we really know at this point about sports genetics and injury prevention? That's a great question. Did you, uh, we actually had a, a really um, nice article that the, um, the team had uh, had put together previously um, on our on our blog page, and and specifically we uh, you know ran ran down through a summary of uh, some of the research that um, was done out of out of um, Stanford University, and and so really in in that study you know a really um, really progressive uh, and and um, a fruitful one, uh, leading not only to um, for example, um, preventative or prevention uh, in, uh, I believe, tri um, triathletes or endurance athletes was the uh, um, was a study case here. But uh, essentially, the uh, the overall outcome was that through knowing your genetics, um, what athletes found was a 44% um, reduction in injury as as a population. And I'll make sure to go and find that article and attach a link for that in the show notes for this episode as well. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really neat one. I mean, it's, it's early days because, um, I mean, just if you look historically, um, while there has been three decades of sports genetics research, um, it's really an area that's, that's ripe for uh, discovery. Um, so like with this particular um, study, what, what they found was that, you know, 71% of of athletes had previously sustained injury in their in their uh, year prior to the study, and then following that, um, only thirty three percent were were injured, and that came from uh, essentially disclosing knowledge to them about their uh, their genetics. So we should probably be clear that getting a genetic analysis is for any fitness enthusiast. 
and not just for the athlete. Am I correct by saying that? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, um, for, for anybody that really wants to, uh, understand how their body works. Like, and, and, and so it, it really is, um, it's exciting because the time that we are living in today is, is we are noticing, um, this, uh, movement, uh, towards these, uh, like precision, uh, studies or, or, um, you know, precision medicine or N equals one, um, type of, type of studies. So, and this really stems from the fact that if we, if we look at conventional, um, conventional research, we, uh, that's used to say develop drugs, for example, um, what we find, and I just don't want to, I don't want to give the wrong quote, um, so I'm pulling it up here. Um, but what we find is even something as, uh, you know, pretty commonly prescribed, uh, two patients for solutions, but with higher cholesterols, cholesterol, so um, various statin drugs. It's surprising to, to learn that it's been reported that as little as one in 50 pa patients actually gain the desired um, benefits from statins. And so, um, this is really calling the scientific community to come together to start thinking about people as individuals. Um, and, uh, you know, instead of doing, you know, ad hoc studies like that are typical of say, you know, what you'd see watching an episode of house, um, you know, we, we start to take that, that approach, um, to our bodies. And really, I don't think that we should rely on, um, you know, our doctors to, to give us all the answers because there, there are so many things, um, to consider. So what, what we really want to do is empower people to, um, you know, every day learn a little bit about, uh, the, themselves. Jeremy, I did want to ask what you would say to the skeptics out there. What would you say to those who would question the accuracy or the reliability of this type of measure? What are your thoughts or comments on that? Well, I look at it as the uh, the peer review process. Um, we want people to ask questions. They w we want people to you know, disclose, you know, what are the caveats to this study? I mean, does this hold up in all instances? Um, you know, how, how can you contextualize this? Um, but, you know, again, I, I think to kind of circle back and make sure that we acknowledge that, that really testing is the wrong word and that if we communicate knowledge to people appropriately, and actually that, that is our responsibility as health professionals and as um, researchers who, you know, are funded in large part by, um, you know, by the community, by, by taxpayer money. So, um, you know, we have an obligation to, to put information in a form that is helpful. So, so that's really, I think, the point we need to land on is, is to disclose information that is only uh, true and in what context is it true. Uh, and so that, you know, that is our commitment to actually be very transparent about anything that we're reporting on. So there, there's direct links to, you know, the thousands and thousands of um, peer-reviewed uh, research articles that we have and continue uh, to, to integrate into, into excuse me, into, into our research. And, uh, and what's more, do our, our, our own research. We want to be held accountable and we want to know if, um, you know, people don't believe something that we, we put forward. But, I mean, we do have an internal process that is um, very, very stringent and um, very high quality and, and curated by, you know, PhDs in human genetics. So the limitation of any science uh, or any any technology is going to exist. Um, I think the definition of what that limitation is becomes a gift. 
what are the potential problems or maybe cautions to be aware of when interpreting our results? Is there anything that we need to look out for or be aware of? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So one of the things that we had in um, one of our first iterations of of the um, the application, which which um, has been modified actually based on um, our research and our and our user feedback. Um, so all we could do is report on what there was or what there is. Um, and so if we say that there are you know X number of genetic markers that are known to impact your capacity to develop speed power and if you only have, say, 7 out of 10, well, you know, nobody likes 7 out of 10. Everybody wants 10 out of 10. Um, what, what, became, what we noticed became important was that, you know, the, the, the interpretation is pretty um, uh, superficial. And so we have to be careful to, um, while we want to make the information accessible, um, we're, we're very cautious to make sure that there isn't any um, uh, you know, negative effects that come with this. And that's why, again, we change our language. We say genetic gifts and genetic opportunities. And so what would have been formally called a, a weakness is an opportunity. You look at, you know, um, a legendary baseball player, you know, Tommy John that has a, an injury and a surgery process named after him. It was through um, focusing um, on that keystone weakness that allowed him to extend uh, his career beyond what anybody thought was possible. So um, there is the impartment of knowledge onto people, but then there is, you know, being responsible and making sure that um, people understand what it means and, and how to use it. And that's why we interface so closely with, um, you know, different health professionals, different coaches. Um, for example, I'll reference, you know, Alt is again, and that's a very collaborative and highly educational process where we involve the coach um, and the athlete in the process together. What do you think the big questions that still need to be answered are in the area of sports genetics. Okay, yeah. So, so what I think would be um, just amazing is that uh, because I think coaches and athletes, like they, they have known always, uh, you know, it's that genetics is important. Like you'll see or hear um, people, coaches say, "Oh, wow, that athlete has freaky genetics," or um, you know, in their selection criteria or assessment of how they're going to um, coach an athlete depends a lot on you know various tests that they perform well at or um, you know, how they perform generally to, to a workout and, um, or even just their body type. Um, we make a lot of assumptions that actually at their core, those things are based on genetics. So really what I, I'd, I'd love to see is to make this something that becomes part of our everyday language. It's, it's not so complex. It's not so scary. I would love, I would love to see that go away because there is so much value that comes from understanding this. And I think, it, again, it comes back to addressing the history of it. We look at, you know, the first human genome, I'd argue, so in 2003 was, was published, the first version, and based on a handful of individuals out of 7 billion. And, you know, people, I think, were a little bit um, annoyed uh, that they put all this taxpayer money into it. And the thing that we got out was, like, geez, we don't know what the majority of this stuff does. Um, you know, and then, and then you've got preliminary um, results that come out over time and population sizes of study increase. And, um, you know, perhaps preliminary data is is, uh, is used in a, a or said in a way that's ambiguous, um, and then we get even to a point where there are different um, you know organizations that uh, you know that commercialize the process. And um, I mean, more recently, we we know about you know 23andMe and and their their um, challenge with the with the FDA. 
because you know they're moving so fast uh, and they're so disruptive that the regulatory um, aspects of, of control are not in place to uh, necessarily account for this cutting edge stuff that they're doing. And so, um, you know, in, in that respect, though, the public perceives that as, you know, a negative thing. Um, so where we are today is, is I, I look at genetics, it's, it's in its, um, it's, it's like a troubled teenager. Yeah. So what you're saying is that it's still in the early stages of development. I totally get that. Let me ask, what is a good resource, maybe a book resource that you'd recommend to learn more about the area of sports genetics? Yeah. Well, so there's a, there's a, um, you know, obviously a great intro for anybody interested in, um, in this has to read the sports gene. Um, David, David Epstein is the sports gene. Um, but there are, uh, you know, a number of just uh, just really, you know, interesting, I would say more from, you know, a, um, maybe a, a, a um, ethical or, or um, you know, disruptive point of view. So like like things that I think coaches and athletes might like to learn about is, a, um, you know, for example, gene gene doping in sport um, would be another uh, really cool one. So um, that's Angela, Angela um, Schneider. Um, so that's looking at you know the science and ethics of uh, genetically modified athletes, which which we're not at that point, but um, it's it's important to um, you know to understand the um, uh, the molecular biology that um, that people are talking about. And then I'd say more for um, maybe the the health professionals that are listening, sports medicine, maybe you know gene therapy and, and tissue engineering and orth- orthopedic and sports medicine, technical but but good. Jeremy, what's the big thing that people can take away from the interview here today? What what do you hope that people can learn from all of this? Yeah, I, I really uh, I really think that um, you know there there are a lot of uh, you know different communities out there that do this really well in terms of um, you know creating a place for people to discover them their best selves. So like like CrossFit is a great one, you know, in terms of building community, in terms of helping. People aspire to great things uh, athletically. Um, that's that's the kind of organization that uh, that that we are that we are. Um, and it comes back to uh, if we work together. Um, what I want in, to feel from from each uh, each customer is that you know they they felt that they had more access to their core technology, their 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 human technology. Um, so that's that's really what uh, I invite people to discover. So the website is athletogen.com. What else do people need to know about the website? What we also do is uh, for people that do have, say, 23andMe, for example, um, they, we do actually offer that service as well. Um, as a, as a, um, an affiliate with, with 23andMe, we um, do allow 23andMe users to explore how their data would look in, uh, in the Athletogen interface as well. And is there anything that you'd like to mention that may be coming in the future from Athletogen? Um, hmm, let me see. There's, I mean, we all, we always have, uh, many, many things that we're, that we're working on. Um, and without giving too much away, um, we, uh, this is actually also to come back to one of the promises that we have to our customers is that there is what Athletogen is today and there, there is what it will be for the, the rest of your life. And, and that is, um, a place where you will meet people like us who are committed to giving you the best information in a form that's most accessible. So we, we've spent uh, a lot of time working with a lot of, of athletes and 
surveying a, a lot of our current current members. So we do have um, some some pretty exciting um, updates to come uh, in terms of what the user interface um, will be. Jeremy, I feel like we really barely scratched the surface in this topic. And in the area of sports genetics, there were so many things actually that I did want to get into and ask you and keep diving deeper. But I know that we were limited on time today. So as we close things out, I want to ask you what I ask all of my guests. And that is, what is the big action? What is the big takeaway that listeners can walk away with after hearing our interview here today? I I would invite people to uh, really consider that Everything they need is is in them already. Yes, and maybe Athletogen can help people to uncover that. And I should say that I am going through this process myself, and I'll be sharing more information about my findings, my results, my outcomes here on the show. So I'll definitely be talking about that in the future, and I will share that here with you uh, as I go through it. So, Jeremy, thank you so much. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, uh, Scott. All right, guys. Well, I have to tell you that we really barely scratch the surface on this topic. This topic goes really, really deep. It's a really amazing topic, and the science of genotyping and sports genetics is really, really amazing. And I'm really happy to share this introduction with you. Uh, because I think it's fascinating, and I think it is the future of fitness and performance. And I'm really excited to learn more about it myself. As I mentioned, I am going through the process of being genotyped right now, and I will probably know my results, my outcomes, or really what this means. As he mentioned, it's not a test, so you don't pass or fail, but you really look at the the data and interpret it, and then we'll come up with you know what this all means. And I'll talk about that here on the podcast as well, because I am really interested in learning about this myself. I think it is amazing, amazing science and uh, really uncovering what is inside of us. So it's, uh, I hope you got value from this for sure. And we will definitely be talking more about this on future episodes on the Ardella Training Podcast. So as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with me this week. And I'll see you next week on the show. So train strong and take care. Thanks for listening to the Ardella Training Podcast. Go to ArdellaTraining.com right now to join Scott's tribe of passionate fitness enthusiasts. Get valuable updates and resources that will help you take it to the next level. Train strong. We'll catch you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast.